Church of the Warm Heart and Cold Bodies. I turned the heat up just a little bit. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll figure this out yet. My name is Michael Beneshek. I'm the pastor here, one of the pastors at the Warm Heart Church. It is so good to see each and every one of you here today. If you're joining us online, welcome. We have a, a Warm Heart Nation out there. I know we've got people watching in Oregon, in New Jersey today, in the Midwest, wherever you may be watching. Uh, we, we, we pray that uh, you have good weather and, and you find a blessing in today's service. If this is one of your first times here at the Church of the Warm Heart, we have a, uh, a special gift for you. Uh, we have a welcome basket with a little bit of goodies and information. Uh, Lisa, either during the meet and greet time or after the service, will we'll try, to, try to catch you. And, uh, it'll either be in the back there or at the, at the uh, greeting area that we have on the inside. So uh, make sure that we catch you. We want to say hello and thank you for joining us here today. A few announcements that we have, and Keith is our worship leader. It looks like he's ready to go. I'm always nervous when Keith is our worship leader. <laughs> we'll see what he has for us today. So, so if this is your first time here, don't judge the church by... <laughs> by the worship leader. Yeah. yeah. And we do have a few announcements. Um, yesterday morning out there was packed full of young kids getting ready to go to McCall for winter camp. And... Uh, there was a lot of chatter going on, so energy was high. So keep them in your prayers this weekend for safe travel and um, enjoying the snow, because I'm sure they're going to have some up there. Uh, this Wednesday is the beginning of Lent, and so on Wednesday night is Ash Wednesday. There will be a service here at 7 o'clock in this sanctuary. And uh, the Lenten study also begins the next Wednesday. So if you would like to participate with that, talk with Pastor Jen and get a book and uh, study along with with them. So that will be great. Uh, I have some bad news and good news. Uh, The bad news is that there is no coffee hour today. The good news is there is coffee. So there's no tables and chairs out there, but there will be coffees and snacks. Go over and check out the uh, Family Life Center is under renovation right now. So please go over and check it out and see what progress has been done already. Uh, The workers, a lot of it has been uh, Methodist men have been the uh, uh, keystone for the whole thing. So uh, just take that. There, There is plastic on the floor. Uh, so there's no running, no running. I've seen some of you out there, and uh, so no running because it could be slippery. High heels and stilettos are okay. That'll keep you <laughs> safe. Um, teachers, how many teachers do we have here? A lot. You know, one of, the, one of my concerns is we have a lot of visitors, a lot of people coming to the United States that can't speak English. So how do you get across to them our English language? And I don't know if you've thought about that, but we've got words that are spelled the same and mean different things. Um, wind and wind, uh, lead, lead, Polish and polish, fair. No, that's uh, live and live. Fair is, is a word that has the uh, same pronunciation, Two different meetings, or several different meetings. Uh, bat, another one, compact. So these are, are, are difficult things, I would imagine. I don't know. But let's take a simple word. 
the simple word of up. Now, how do you explain to somebody the definition of up? We get up, we wake up in the morning, we get up, we clean up, we dress up when there's a special occasion. Um, when we go to a meeting, why does a topic come up? Why do we speak up? Why are the officers up for election? Why is it that up is up to the secretary to write up the notes? We call up our friends, we brighten up a room, we polish up the silver, warm up the leftovers, clean up the kitchen, we lock up the house, fix up the old car, people stir up trouble, line up for tickets, work up an appetite, think up excuses, a drain must be opened up because it's stopped up. We open up a store in the morning, but we close it up at night. When it threatens to rain, we say it's clouding up. When the sun comes out, we say it's clearing up. When it rains, it soaks up the earth. When it doesn't rain, it dries up. We look up a word in the dictionary, and it, remember the old Webster Dictionary, the books? You young kids wouldn't know what a book was, but... Um, if you look at that, it takes up almost a quarter of a page that can add up to over 30 definitions. But if you're up to it, you might try building up a list of the many ways up is used. It will take up a lot of your time, but if you don't give up, you may wind up with 100 or more. So I could go on, but I'll wrap it up because my time is up, so now I'll shut up. Let's take a moment. Uh, we're going to get up and greet up and, and get, up, uh, get up our worship. Greet those around you in Christian love and then remain standing for the opening hymns.
Please remain standing and join your voices with mine. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made. Through him all things were made for us and our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets, we believe in the one holy Catholic and apostolic Church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated. The old Nicene Creed comes up about once every three months in the rotation. If you are a kiddo, like fifth grade and below, this is your time in worship, and I invite you to come on up. See, we got a few of them. Good morning. So I was in high school, and I was playing catch with my buddy baseball. I didn't have a baseball to find in the garage this morning. I didn't want to dig it out, but I found a tennis ball. So I was playing, playing baseball with, with my buddy. We were just throwing the ball back and forth, and we were in a small town, and we were, practically, we were just throwing on the road, on the street. So if a car drove by, we had to get off. and they. But we were throwing, we were throwing, and we were just having fun. And I threw the ball... Uh, halfway in our session, threw the ball, and it went over Brian's head, which is weird because Brian was six foot five. So I really missed him. And it went right over, and there was a car parked about 10 yards past him, and I hit the, the back brake window, or the, not the window, the little light thing, the little red light. You know the little red lights on the back of cars? And the ball just smashed into it. You know what I wanted to do? Run, that's right. So, some of you have been there, yeah. I wanted to run away. Like, I'm going to get in so much trouble. And I didn't, I didn't know how much these things cost. Is it $500? Is it 1000 I didn't know what it cost, to were a And uh, it was, it was the, my grandma's neighbor's car. 
and I knew her, and she knew me. And so I stood there for a minute, and, and my friend Brian is like, let's go, let's go, let's go. But that guilt thing got me. <laughs> it always mess, those morals get in the way of your fun and fun screwing around time. But uh, I thought I should, probably, I should probably go and fess up. So I went over to pick up my ball right next to the car, and she was in the car. And she saw the whole thing. Scared her half to death when they're on the car. But she turned around, and sure enough, she saw me. She knew the entire time that it was me. So do you know what would have happened if I would have ran away? Yeah, she was going to call my grandma. <laughs> she lived next to her grandma. And I was going to get caught anyway. Um, but I get over there, and she hopped out of the car. And she said, it's okay. It's okay. I'm not even going to ask you to pay for it which I was making $3 an hour, and that was going to be a lot of money. Uh, (laughs) uh, But it was a lesson for me that that sometimes, sometimes it's best just to say I'm sorry. Because if I didn't go over there and say I'm sorry, I would have freaked freaked out about it all day, all night, and the next day, and the next day. And every time I would have saw her, I would think, I'm the one who smashed your window, smashed your light. Sometimes when we say, I'm sorry, it's, it's a way of fixing a relationship. I remember being your age and having friends, we get into fights with, with, with each other, and mom and dad would always have to say, you know, tell them you're sorry, even if you don't mean it. <laughs> but it's good practice, because it fixes the relationship. The words, I'm sorry, fixes relationships between us, between us and God. And you could even tell it to yourself. You could heal a little bit of your relationship with yourself. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Can you pray with me today? Heavenly God, we all make mistakes. Sometimes the most important words we can say are, I'm sorry. It's nice if kids can say that to their parents. It's nice if parents can say it to their kids. But we all need those relationships healed We appreciate these words that can make that happen. In your son's name, who came to reconcile all things to him, that if we just but say, I'm sorry, we have eternal life. And the family of God said, amen. Thanks for coming down and watch where you throw balls. I sat down, but it's new members time. This is a oh, something new in the bulletin. I'm sorry. I'd like to invite those who are joining our congregation to come up at this time. I know we got two back there. I think we got one over here. Come on down. And front and center. Today we celebrate our unity as the body of Christ, widening the table through the joyful welcome of new members affirming our faith together. It's always a joy for a congregation to welcome new members into its fellowship. Some may come from other Methodist congregations, others come from other denominations, or they may come from a profession of faith for the first time. Let me introduce who is up here today. 
Holly, Holly's here, Holly Stanley. Some of you might be asking, isn't Holly already a member here? Nope, just a long-time visitor, which is fantastic. Uh, Born in Nevada, she comes to us from Carson Valley United Methodist Church. She's an office administrator and loves to read and cross-stitch. Can everyone say, hi, Holly? We have Linda Stevenson, born in uh, D.C., is that right? Born in D.C., comes to us, though, from the First Presbyterian Church in Fairbanks, Alaska. Ooh, down here following grandkids, if if I remember my story. (laughs) Uh, Linda was a bookkeeper, welcome south. Uh, In case you're curious, uh, sunrise in Fairbanks on the darkest day of the year, sunrise is at 11 a.m., and the sun goes down at 2.40 in the afternoon. Three and a half hour day, so welcome south. <laughs> uh, everyone say hi, Linda. Hi. Dave Stevenson, born in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Go blue. We got some other Michigan folk just showed up. There we go. <laughs> also comes to us, of course, from Fairbanks. These guys have been married for 47 years. Oh, and some of you think, that's cute, 47 years. <laughs> <laughs> Dave is a retired CPA. I won't give out your email, but it made me laugh. It's literally something like, I'm retired, don't bother me at gmail.com. This couple likes hiking, bowling, horse riding, and uh, just staying active. In your baptism, everyone say hi, Dave. Dave. (laughs) In your baptism, you were marked as members of Christ's church. It is a joy to welcome you today as members of this congregation. We believe that the Holy Spirit has led you to this congregation at this time for your good and for our good. We're all in this together. We invite you to affirm your faith in Christ and express your commitment to the life of this church and the mission that God has given to us. I do have two questions for you here today. As members of Christ Universal Church, will you be loyal to the United Methodist Church and do all in your power to strengthen its ministries If so, please say, I will. I will. And as members of this congregation, will you faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? If so, please say, I will. I will. Members of the household of God, I commend these persons to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, and perfect them in love. We have a response back. It'll be up on the screen. We give thanks. Pastor Jen has a certificate of membership for you, for your memory box, or wherever it is you keep these documents. Congregation, could you please welcome them to our, to our faith? Thank you, Holly.
I'm, I'm Pastor Jen. Let us come together this morning in an attitude of prayer. If you have any prayer requests or concerns, anything that's on your heart this morning that you would like to share aloud with your neighbor, please feel free to share that. And then I will lead us in a prayer, and we'll go and pray together then after in the Lord's Prayer. And the words will be on the screen. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we gather together to worship you. We seek restoration and renewal and to walk in your light. We confess that we have not always loved the way we are called to love and that we often miss the mark. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit fill this space and breathe on us a new life. As we gather together to praise you, may we experience your presence like a gentle breeze that will create in us a new heart that moves us towards compassion and kindness to help create a more loving world for all people. Lord, we ask that it may be on earth as it is in heaven, your kingdom here and now. Light in us a fire that radiates your warmth and light. May it illuminate a spirit of truth. And Lord, we ask that you would use us, that you would mold us and shape us and and transform us to be more Christ-like. Gracious and loving God, we gather together to pray as Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Some hymns are born out of great adversity after trials and suffering. And some hymns are, are, are created out of joy and triumph and, 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 and knowing that God is with you all the time. But most of our life is somewhere in between, isn't it? Isn't it our life is our, are usually in between our greatest sorrows and our greatest joys. And the, the hymn writer of our next hymn, I Need Thee Every Hour, came, came to the words while she was doing laundry outside. <laughs> 
Let's stand and sing, I need thee every hour, knowing that that hour, whether it's joy or pain or anything in between, he's with us. Scripture verse for this morning is 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, We make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Praise be to God for the reading of his word. Late last year, someone asked, Pastor Mike, how come Methodists don't have confession? Great question. And we'll soon find out if it's a great sermon. Thousands of years ago, our human ancestors began to dabble in religious endeavors. 
whether it was asking for rain to grow on crops, protection from enemies, a sacrifice of thanksgiving, the human race has always tried to ask God, or in their case, probably God's, for something. To find favor, to to be at one with. And through countless generations, the idea that God requires from us repentance and duty, confession and reconciliation, has filtered down, and you can find it in most major religions today. When we think of confession, we usually think Roman Catholicism, don't we? You go to the little box, you confess your every sin that you've committed since the last time you were in that little box, and then out you go free as a bird. It's not quite like that. I'll explain some of it soon. But by and large, we Protestants don't do a whole lot of this. Protestants, people who are not Catholic. We believe that... I believe that we miss out on a spiritual blessing, though, if we just ignore it altogether. Matter of fact, we might miss out on a little bit of heaven if we don't seek forgiveness that is freely, freely given to us if we but ask. In Buddhism, confession to a superior is an important part of the religious life of the devout. Monks confess biweekly. In Islam... Confession is one of the five pillars of faith and part of the daily prayers to Allah. In Judaism, they, they, they blow the ram's horn, the sins of the people are absolved on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Confessions are given, forgiveness is sealed. And like I said, we tend to think of Catholics in, uh, for Christianity for confession. Before you could take the Lord's Supper, for instance, you need to have a clean heart. And confession comes before communion for it to be right. The Catholic Church teaches that the sacramental confession requires three acts on the part of of the penitent, on the part of us. Uh, There's contrition, sorrow that we have uh, for the sins that we committed, disclosure, sharing that verbally, and satisfaction, the penance, doing something that makes amends for the sins already done like saying a prayer or prayers, maybe it's making a good deed. It's at the priest's discretion. In the Eastern Orthodox Church, uh, confession does not have to be to a priest, but someone else in your congregation. But it still has to be verbal. Latter-day Saints require confession to the wrong party. You just can't go to, the, to your priest and say, I ran over the neighbor's dog. In LDS, you have to go to that, to, the, to that person and say, I'm the one who ran over your dog. <laughs> Protestants, we take a less formal view. It's not a sacrament, but something you could do without a priest. You don't need me to confess. Praise God. Hallelujah. You can go directly to God. The, the cross, the, the, the ground at the cross is level. I don't have any more access than you do. <laughs> In our corporate liturgy, you may find a prayer of confession or a congregational reading for forgiveness. We don't do much of that here at Meridian. The closest that we get is usually the Lord's Prayer. Father, forgive us our trespasses. And so today I must confess to you that as your spiritual leader, I have done poorly in teaching the blessing and the benefits of confession. So maybe the sermon is my penance. In short, the idea of confession, it it, it makes sense. 
It's why it's in most major religions and why we're doing it, that we've done it since the dawn of time. Because let me tell you, every relationship needs some mechanism of fixing transgressions. Every single relationship between us and God, between you and your spouse, between you and your parents, between you and your kids, something's going to go wrong somewhere along the line. We're not perfect. And so you need, you need, you need, the, you need something to happen to make, that, to make that relationship better. For those of us who are married or in a relationship, the most important three words you can say, three words, if you had to guess what those three words are, they would be, I love you. <laughs> the two most important words that you can say in a relationship are, I'm sorry. Not you're right. <laughs> or I'm right. Maybe I'm right. Ah, there you go. I'm sorry. And they sh- I'm sorry and I love you maybe should be said just as often. I'm sorry is the glue that brings the relationship back together again, fills together the cracks and strains in the relationships. It works for parents. It works for kids. It works between us and God. You've all been there, a strained relationship, and there's tension in the air, right? Something's not quite right. But after a heartfelt apology, and if the apology is accepted, there is a sense of peace and the relationship is restored. The most important two words in a relationship, I'm sorry. Of course, if you've got kids in that, the most five important words, just shut up and listen. But that's another sermon, another day. <laughs> the relationship we have with God is also strained and torn by our sin, our refusal to walk in his ways. And for us to be declared righteous, we need to go to him, confess our mistakes, our faults, our trials, our temptations. It's not that God's ego is bruised. And he wants us to come groveling so he can watch us squirm. But it's good for us to correct our faults, to get us back on that path, to get on living the life that he wants us to live. It's not the confession that God wants. He wants the relationship. And the confession is the part that gets us that right relationship, just as it does with other family members. It's not just for Catholics, but for all who want to be in a relationship with God. Confession goes hand in hand with forgiveness. If you want to find forgiveness, you got to put a little confession in the mix. That's what we have in our scripture this morning. 1 John is a letter, New Testament, written by the cousin of Jesus. Uh, He's the one who wrote the, the, the Gospel of John. And then we have some letters that you find at the end of the New Testament. And uh, 1 John is about, uh, it's teaching about avoiding, how to avoid heresy and how to find salvation. Salvation, salvaging the relationship. That's what salvage means. Salvage and salvation have the same root. How do you fix this? Restoration. In preparation for this week's sermon, I just thought, I'm just going to do a quick click, 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 and, and just find, look for the words where someone said, I have sinned. Click, 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 click. And a lot of, lot of people in the Bible uh, have shared these words. 
I found seven instances where somebody said, I have sinned. And we're going to go through them real quick because they go at confession a little differently. And I think we can see ourselves uh, in, in, in a few of these uh, cases. First place I found it, Pharaoh. There's Pharaoh. So it shall be written, so it shall be done. Uh, <laughs> I call him the hardened sinner. This is in the Moses-Pharaoh narrative, let my people go, part of the story. During one of the plagues, lightning and hail, I believe, Pharaoh had enough, called Moses into his office. And, and, and he told Moses, I have sinned against God. You and your people may go. Moses says, great. And they get their stuff together, and they're about to leave. The plague stops, and Pharaoh says, no more plague. Hold on a minute. And he changes his mind about the whole thing and uh, catches them before they leave. I'm not really sorry, you have to say. I was only sorry as long as this plague was going on. Uh, And there's another plague yet to come, locusts, I think. But how many times have I uttered that same confession? A confession out of fear. Oh God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I messed up, I messed up. I I am in a big pickle here. I'm just in trouble. And the moment I'm out of trouble... Okay, God, we're good. Like, no, pay no attention to all that stuff I just told you. Never mind. Don't have Pharaoh's confession. Another Old Testament character, Balaam. Uh, you really got to know your Bible if you know Balaam. I call him a double-minded man. A picture of a donkey and an angel. Maybe that story rings a bell. Uh, there's a beating in this story. There's a beating of a donkey. It's a it's a whole story unto itself. Someday I'll do a story or a sermon on Balaam. But the angel appears. Balaam, as a prophet, figures out he messed up. God wanted him to go this way, but he went that way, kind of thing. He was he was Jonah before there was a Jonah in the in the, in the Old Testament. Uh, he angel shows up and says, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you are displeased, I will go back but he doesn't go back. He still did his own thing. Uh, the story goes, he's, he, basically, I'm sorry that I messed up, but I'm not sorry enough to change, if that makes sense. He doesn't go back. He still does his own thing. I'm sorry that what I'm doing is bothering you, was the whole, I'm sorry. But how many times have I uttered that same confession? I'm sorry, I'm really sorry, but not that Sorry. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry that you're upset with this. How about that? Don't do Balaam's confession. Third character I want to bring up, Saul, the king before David. He's about to try to, he's after David right there, actually. Uh, I call this one an insincere apology. Saul was the first king over Israel. But he messed up, didn't follow God's commands, and God rejected him as king and was about to bring up David. Now, Saul was anointed by Samuel to be king. And Samuel was about to go get David king, anoint him. (laughs) Uh, He was a desperate man, this Saul. And Saul said to Samuel, this is out of that chapter, I have sinned, forgive my sin, come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. Which he had no intention of doing. He wanted his position of power back. He wanted the shame to go away. He wanted to go back to being king. If the Lord said, I forgive you, but you still can't be king, Saul wouldn't have asked for forgiveness in the first place. 
The intent wasn't for the, uh, for the restoration of a relationship. It was because he still wanted the power. A confession of profit, if you will. How many times have I uttered the same confession? If I say I'm sorry, can we go back to the way things were? Can Humpty Dumpty be put back together again? I believe that God can make all things new, that all relationships can heal. But Saul didn't really care about the relationship. He was just trying to fix his ego. Don't have Saul's confession. Character number four, Achan. Who's Achan, I hear you ask? I I had to remember, like, who was that again in the story? Uh, I call him the doubtful or the um, doubtful penitent. Achan can be found in the book of Joshua as Israel was trying to take the promised land. Achan was found to be a thief of many a thing and had to pay for it with his life. And his confession of I have sinned was a deathbed kind of confession. I'm not sorry, I'm not sorry, I'm not sorry. I got caught and now I'm going to face eternity. Now I'm sorry. Now the Lord accepts all kinds of mercy all pleas of mercy, but it would be sad if it took facing your own eternal destination for you to come into a right relationship with God. I'm happy that it happens, but I'm sad that it took looking that in the face to make that possible. The Lord is pleased with repentance. It's just too bad it couldn't happen earlier in life. Don't have Achan's confession. Find the Lord before it's too late. Just a couple more here. Uh, Judas. I think um, most of you probably know that name. Judas, the one disciple who betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And after the crucifixion, Judas went to the elders who had paid him. And he said, Judas said, I have sinned. I have betrayed innocent blood. And he throws the coins down at their feet. This is the repentance of despair. And maybe repentance is too strong a word. Maybe it's more of a a remorse of conscience. He did offer this confession right before he hanged himself. In his despair, he thought he was a lost cause, eternally doomed for his part in this dreadful tale. But God is merciful. It's a common question that we sometimes get in the faith. Did Judas get to go to heaven or not? I don't know, it's between him and God. But in his confession was a cry from the heart that he thought he was done for. Don't have the confession of Judas. There is always hope. There's always hope. Two more to go. Uh, Job. Many of you know the poor, poor soul of Job. The guy loses everything and still praises God. This is the repentance of a saint. Even the saints aren't perfect but they find joy in keeping that relationship strong between themselves and God. They walked the correct path, mostly, and they found a loving God guiding them along life's journey. What makes their confession true is not that they stand on their own righteousness, but they still, with humility and earnestness, plead for confession. And if Job can do it, then certainly so could we. And the last one for today. Out of the New Testament, not a real figure, but a character in a story, the tale of the prodigal son. 
the repentance of a sinner. In contrast with Job, the saint, the story of the sinner, the one who purposefully found that wayward path. But no matter how crooked that path went all those years, the path back to God is a straight line. When the prodigal returned home, the first words he said to his father were, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And the father didn't shut him out. They had the fatted calf. They had a celebration. The lost had been found. The door is always open. That's what I want to tell you today. The door is always open. God doesn't want the confession. He wants the relationship. The three hardest words to say, I love you. The two hardest words to say, I'm sorry. The hardest word to say, Worcestershire, but that's not part of the sermon today. But I have a hard time with that one. What is your confession? What is your confession? We always use it in the negative sense. I have a confession to make. Sometimes negative things have to be shared, but really a confession is a verbal admission of of saying saying where you stand. Saying Saying where you stand. When people join the church like we had today, we share in a confession of faith, usually in the form of questions. I believe in Jesus. I believe in grace. I believe in God the Father and the Holy Spirit. If you're a member here or have been confirmed elsewhere, you have given your confession. Here in the first service, what Keith did for us earlier today, we we shared in an affirmation of faith. And what they are is really reaffirming the confession of faith that we made once upon a time. So let me ask you, what do you confess? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in everlasting life? Do you believe that Christ has opened up salvation to you? Whether you're a sinner or a saint or somewhere in between, God wants that relationship with you. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. This we confess. And if you didn't like the sermon, I'm sorry. (laughs) And the family of God said, amen. As we come to the offering, a word of thanks to those who faithfully participate in the giving to this church. What you're really doing is you're giving ministries of love of forgiveness, of mercy, of chance for people who need a little bit more love and light in their life. Thank you for the ushers for coming down, and I think we have the gift of music as we take today's offering.
please stand for our doxology. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. And now we say I am strong. And the poor share in our offertory prayer. God of all blessings, your beloved Son teaches all we need to know to claim the life you've hoped for us. We bring you our gifts, which are the result of your blessings. Help us to remember those Jesus called truly blessed. We pray in the name of our teacher and Savior. Amen. Closing song, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling.
God is good. And all the time. We hope you join us for our coffee moment next door to take a look at their progress. But uh, between now and then, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine shine upon you and be gracious to you. That as we try to come home, come home to faith, come home to right relationship. May God's love, blessing, and peace go with you all. Amen. Amen.